Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the whimsical, ugly on the inside, Adam Mueller. Wow, that was, what an intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Um, you for having me. We're so excited to have you. Um, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about like, yourself and like your background? Like, where are you from? How'd you get started in comedy? Tell us about you. So I took a class. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, uh, I grew up in, uh, I'm from Canada. I grew up in Canada and then uh, came here for school, like for college and came to America for college. And then like never, just never left. Um, mostly because that's just where like, that's just where I ended up getting a job. It wasn't some like um, master plan or anything. Uh, I just I don't like free health care. And um, huh. now I was just, you know, I was just here and uh, and I worked for I worked. I was like a finance guy. And then I had a job and like the company shut down the business. Um, and I was just looking for something to I didn't want to get like a new job right away. I was like, I can take I can look for a job kind of casually, but maybe do something else. And then uh, and this is not a joke, but a life coach that I got to talk to, like a career coach and a life coach as part of my severance. Mm. And the life coach was like, do something that you would never do, like that you would never in a million years do. And I and I took a comedy class because I was like, that's not something like that's just great. Like, who does that? Um, and that's, you know, like I six weeks right once a week and then as soon as the class ended with the show at the end once a week just like wasn't enough so i started going like three times like almost immediately i just started doing like three mics a day and i don't know why i needed something to do it's not like this this was not some like lifelong dream this was like i have time to fill and then and it's fun and then i was like okay i'll just do this for three months and then i'll go back to like being a normal human being and like a, a productive member of society. And then at the end of three months, I was like, I'll just do it another three months. And then at the end of that, I was like, I'll give it six months and then that'll be a year. And then at some point I just stopped reassessing every six months. And you were like, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah. And at one point I was like, until I, until my bank account gets down to this number, I'll just keep doing comedy and won't really look for a job. Um, <laughs> and we blew through that number and then we came up with another number and we're just still going. We're still heading to zero. Nice. <laughs> That's the objective. You gotta. Oh, yeah. Like, why save money if you're not going to blow it on um, open mics in basements, you know? Exactly. Right. So you're talking a little bit about the mics. You, you were already doing three mics a day. What was your life in comedy like pre-pandemic? Um, so that was all, of course, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, but um, well, so. I think partly started maybe start like like um, a lot of co- a lot of people start comedy very young, right? There are these prodigies that start when they're like fourteen and stuff, and then and they're you know in their mid twenties and they're like ten year grizzled comedy veterans, and then there's a lot of people that start in their twenties. But when you start in like your thirties or older, you're like late. And and so my view was like um, if you if uh, if you treat something like a like a hobby, it's a hobby. So if I'm going to justify spending all this time on this and, and and like the opportunity cost of not getting a job, then it has to be like a job. 
So right from like when that class sort of during that class, right out of the gate, it was like, okay, I'm setting an alarm. I'm not going to sleep until three in the afternoon or something. Like I'm getting up at seven or eight in the morning, you know, get some coffee, right. And have a very like regimented day. You know, go to the gym at some point, get some exercise. That's good for the brain. Write some more head out at, you know, three, three 30 and just do mic as many mics as I can cram in. Um, and that's like in the early days when you don't really get, you know, shows. Um, and then, but then I also knew that like, like there's people that go years and they only do open mics and they're getting funnier and funnier. And, but, and I was like, I can't do, I will quit if I do that. Like I was like at least once a month or once every other month at the minimum, I need to be in front of real people, even if I'm still terrible. Cause that's the fun part. <laughs> um, so you just, so I would just do like a bringer once a month or every other month. And um, I know that's like bringers are controversial for some people. I don't get it, but um, get some friends and then you'll like them. But, uh, <laughs> but that was kind of the strategy so that you always had something to look forward to and feel like you're working. I'm working towards the next show kind of thing. And then, uh, and then those, some of those sort of sad open mics aren't quite as sad because you're, you're trying to do something. Yeah. I don't think we've talked about bringers a lot on this podcast. What are your opinions on them and bringer shows for people who are listening? If you don't know are ones where in order to perform, you have to bring a certain number of people and then they're like, fine, you can go up in front of real people. Yeah. I mean, I, some people just have this sort of philosophical um, aversion to the idea that I can only get on stage if I bring four, six, eight, ten people, whatever it happens to be. Um, I disagree with that. Uh, I think they, they're a valuable, they're a valuable uh, resource because one, when you're new and you're not that funny yet and you're just finding your way, it's one of the few ways to get on stage at a, at a real club in front of a uh, paying audience to sort of see where you're at and to have fun. And if, if, this, if you don't have some fun from time to time doing this, like, what are you doing? Like, get a real job. You know, it, 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 this is so hard and so few people ever get to a point where they can like make a living doing comedy that you've got to be enjoying it along the way or it's a complete waste of time and those are fun um and there's nothing wrong with asking your friends to come and and i think your friends to a certain point enjoy seeing you do something that like 99 percent of people uh, are far too fearful to ever do which is just public speaking right mm -hmm. um and the, i think the other thing people miss is that uh bringer shows tend to fill the room and there are comedy clubs that, you know, during the week they're doing their pro shows and then maybe on the weekend or here or there, they have their new talent bringer show. And without the revenue they generate from that bringer show, they go out of business. So it's it's a way for clubs to stay in business and having comedy clubs around kind of helps everybody. Yeah. So even just from that perspective, they're incredibly important. Um, yeah. But I get the idea like people, there are people that just don't like paying for stage time. And I understand that I, philosophically, I get it. Like there are some people that are like, I'm not paying for open mics. All open mics should be free. And, 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 and it's like, well, then why would a venue let you do it there? And also like some poor open mic host has to be there half an hour before the mic sit through all of that. And it's not, I mean, there's some there's people at open mics for their very first time. Like it's they have, they're there for two hours and they should get nothing. They should. That's just out of the goodness of their heart. Now they should be getting something to do that. Yeah. yeah. I also think people kind of forget that like 
comedy as much as we think it's like it is fun as well like it is a business and a job and like venues are I mean you st- you were in finance so like mm-hmm. you probably have like a like a mentality of understanding how like business works but like people kind of forget that like a venue needs to pay its lease and like if they're gonna have these great shows you need they need revenue otherwise <laughs> they can't hire like pay the bartender um yeah no so I yeah no it's good to hear I mean, you're, you're like you're totally I mean look in a sort of a cynical kind of extreme take is that uh Comedy is just something is just a way for a bar to sell alcohol to people. Yeah. And and they're, that's where they're really making their money. And if you if you know, we can all be very loft, have the sort of these lofty views like this is an art form and we're artists and, and sure. OK, like so there's some Venn diagram with like artist and clown and in the middle like that stand up, I guess. But um, <laughs> if no one comes and no one pays to be there, it, it goes away. Because it is a business. And I think that's I think the two if you're going to actually have any chance of making it the first the things you need to figure out as quickly as you can is that it is a business and you have to be able to look at it through that lens, um, because that helps you understand when things don't go your way for some reason. And you're like, but I was funnier. And it's like, well, maybe you were in your own head. Maybe were you in reality? But let's say you were and you still don't get it. There could be other reasons and they could be business reasons. And if you can't, you have to be able to understand that and deal with it and realize that like in the short run, funny doesn't always matter over the long run. It, it will like hope, you know, fingers crossed. Um, but in the short run, it's like, is the room full? Do, do people show up to see you? Because the other thing about bringers, right, is there's this sort of idea that every show is a bringer. The only difference is, do you know the people or not? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you have a hundred, if you have a million Instagram followers and you're on a show and 30 people come just because they see you post about it, you brought 30 people. You just don't know them um, versus calling all your friends and like begging them to come. Like those are just the two ends. Like we all want to get to a point where we are bringing every time without having to do anything. Because, we, you know, you're just you're just good and well known and have a following and all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. I was on a show with um, someone a bit ago who's really big on TikTok mm. and all of their people showed up and I was talking to the guy who was um ho- somewhat uh, another person on the show who had been on the show with the headliner before mm-hmm. and was like, yeah it's all the same people here again they're just they just are following him it's like yep. oh got it like that's that's what it is it's like just a different kind of bringer yeah. <laughs> yeah and people you know purists i guess kind of get angry that like the youtube sensation or the tiktok star can sell out a comedy club and do an hour whereas someone who's like you know doing eight open mics a day and grinding it out and is super funny and has spent years you know crafting this material can't do that yet and the reality is yeah that's it's weird but it's that's the biz- that's that business thing where you just have to be like, yeah, but that, you know, if I if, if 200 people would come for me, I could headline Caroline's too. Yeah. I I'm just I'm, you know, you're just not there yet. And that's that's sort of the trick. And sometimes it's so sometimes it is strange when you see that. Um, but when you have someone like the person you mentioned on a show that you're on, you're like, great. They might be funny at stand up. They might not. They might just be a TikTok person, but they brought an audience. And every other comic on that show benefits from being in a room that's full. And that's great. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So you so going back to our trajectory here, um, you did 
stand up um, when you started out doing mm. bringers. How did you build into um, where you are now, like in the pre-pandemic world? We'll oh. get to the pandemic in a sec, but how yeah, yeah, yeah. were you doing to build your career aside from that in the in the pre-pandemic? So, oh, that's oh, great. So the two things I kind of did six, eight months in, maybe something like that is when I started hosting open, open mics, hosting open mics. I don't, I, I um, feel like I tripped on my word there, but, and uh, through laughing Buddha, which another controversial uh, comedy enterprise, but um, that was to me, that was really helpful just because, so I don't have a performance background. Like I didn't do theater in high school. I've never. So just being an open mic host and having to, walk up there and say something between every comic, even if it's just their name and, and, and go first when no one's cares and kind of just do that again and again and again was good training of just being comfortable on stage in front of people. Um, when often it's quite quiet. Um, and, and you're kind of, um, it allowed you to do a few more open mics because you, you hosted one and then you did the one after and you got, it was, I don't know, it, it, um, it was helpful. And you got to know everybody because another thing about this is like, you need to find, you need to find like comedy, like comedy friends. And hopefully they transcend to just real friends as well. But the people that you see that are kind of in and around your own level of experience and ability that you sort of have some, uh, some respect for what they're doing, like in terms of their standup, but also that you can like talk to and vent to and uh, run jokes by and stuff. And um, and the people that ultimately are going to help you get to that next level are the people that are going to produce a bar show or, or start a show somewhere, you know, and you're going to meet all of them by just being around. And one way to get for everyone to know who you are is to host a bunch of open mics. Um, and then the great thing with Laughing Buddha was that if, if you once you hosted for a while and you you showed a proficiency um, and sort of a minimum level of professionalism in terms of like you actually showed up when you said you were going to be there and, you know, did the job um, that they ran like new talent shows and some industry shows. And there was, you know, three or four of their open mic hosts would work the shows and the payment for working the shows was doing a spot. So you get to a point where like, oh, now I have, instead of looking forward to like one spot in front of real people, like a month that I have to make happen. Now I'm getting another two a month or every once in a while, once a week by virtue of kind of working for this organization and hosting their open mics. And I did that for a while. And that was great. And that was great because you knew like, OK, like at least once a week, probably I'm going to get I get a real show now. And that really helps. That really helps those sad, sad open mic days that where you do like four open mics. No one pays attention to you on any of them. You get nothing out of it. And you're like, what was the point of all this? Oh, yeah. But I have a show on Friday or I have a show on Saturday, you know? Yeah. And like what you said about comedy friends is so funny, especially in the Zoom. Huh, it's funny, but um, uh, but especially in the. Mm. pandemic zoom world context because I, like i met both of you through zoom comedy but then you meet people in real life and you kind of feel like you're meeting someone you met in a dream it's like i don't know that we do we know each other like some yeah. people meet like they'll be like oh my god carly hi and they'll hug me other people we wait a month and it's like nice to meet you mm. um it's honestly just such a weird and different landscape and no one's the right height 
when you meet them, if you met them on Zoom. Everyone's either yeah. way taller or way shorter than you imagine for some reason. Because these squares, we all look the same. Yeah. Like, um, but I think Carly, I think to your point, I think there was like six, eight months there where I saw your face more than any other human being. <laughs> you do. Every single Zoom mic. There you were. We're like following each other around. It's true. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go do a West Coast one. She won't be there. And then there you were. <laughs> it wasn't about comedy. I was just stalking you. That's but, what it yeah. came down to. <laughs> just kidding for the sake of recording. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be incriminated. Is there such thing as a Zoom restraining order? I don't know. Um, but we're <laughs> going to find out, I think. I think that's what this is. Um, speaking of Zoom and Zoom comedy, how was comedy for you during this pandemic? What did you what did you do? <laughs> oh, I mean, so we've just alluded to it. Like, I just if maybe a week into like when everything shut down. Like, I think I did my last. OK, I think I did a show on like March 11th, 2020 at Gotham and I had one at Greenwich three or four days later they got canceled because they only sold like two tickets and it was right as everything was about like the you know everyone was I was like New York's gonna close and everyone was like no no really what and then like the next day everything closed down or whatever and um after a few days I was just like I guess I just need to do zoom so it's almost like the same way when I started comedy I was like I don't this might be terrible but I just got to go all in on these zoom mics and try to try to write as much as I can so that I'm always doing some new stuff and see if I can't um, find a way each day during the quarantine to get funnier. And that was doing Zoom mics, that was writing, that was watching, you know, going down YouTube rabbit holes on various comics that I like and seeing what, you know, trying to watch everything that they've put out there and, and watching all the specials on Netflix and anything I hadn't gotten to watching stuff I've already seen and liked again and again and again, trying to figure out like why it's so funny and why I like it so much. Almost like, like trying to be a student um, just as a way to use the time productively. And I don't know, I think, I think it, it, it helped it like, Going if the thought of going back to that now is just like mind blowingly awful. Yeah. Um, but if it happened, I suppose I'd do it some version of the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting because I I feel like I also like when we were doing Zoom comedy, it was so like I was like, this is you just have to do it. Like, what do you like? Right. And, and after like days of being like everything, like your entire connection to like the outside world was on the computer. I was like, I don't want to do anymore. Like, and I remember so distinctly being like, I think I'm getting a headache from just staring yeah. at the, like, I think I'm going to like my eyesight's getting worse from looking at the computer so much. Um, that, yeah, no, I totally agree that like if zoom were to, if we were to all shut down again, I'd be like, okay, I guess. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't I don't harbor any like um, ill wills. That's not the right way to say it. But like I, the pe people that were just like, I'm just not doing Zoom comedy. The people that just really said no. And uh, I just I, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of those a lot of those comics that now that things have been open for four or five months, they're they're doing great. Like, you know, they didn't miss a beat when things opened up again, you know, got on stage, shook off the rust. I think it really depended on where you were and how long you'd been doing it and what um, 
in terms of what the right move for you was as an like as a as a comic like for me i felt like it was a way to like try to get ahead because like the playing field is level now no one's on stage yeah so the harder i can work the more like material because because i am i do like i'm more of a i'm more joke based comic i think versus like persona personality like i got to work on that other part but like the writing came first and i uh, partly because i have no performance background but um so i feel like i can get a lot done on pen and paper and then i was like the more i can have when things do reopen um versus someone that doesn't write for a year yeah i you know that that can help me not like leapfrog people but just help me hit the ground running when things open um, so that someone sees me like when things reopen and they're like, wow, like I hadn't heard any of that and yeah. it's all, and it's all tight and refined and good. And it's like, yeah, cause I did 900 zoom mics, you know, um, <laughs> you, zoom mics which unfortunately is close to a real number. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you think zoom mics are here to stay? Mm. It feels like, uh, they've fallen off a significant amount since things like as things have reopened. Um, there is a convenience to it, though. Like I've done less Zoom mics, a lot less. Um, but partially that's just schedule driven. Like if you're out at a live in person mic or you have a show, you obviously can't do both at the same time. But what I've done a lot of Zoom, um, still do a lot of Zoom during the day is just get on with someone and walk through jokes. Yeah. So it's like a mic where there's only two of you. Because it's not really a mic. It's just I tell you a joke and then we talk about it for 20 minutes and we help and we help kind of, you know, like um, it's more of a writing session. And uh, there's something about doing that on Zoom where you can see the person and they can see you deliver the joke that is better than just doing it like on the phone. Yeah. And is like very valuable. Like it'd be better to sit together in a coffee shop, but and, and talk about the joke. But again, there's no travel time and there's not a you're not really performing it in the same way. So you know, Zoom is just as good as, you know, sitting in the coffee shop with someone. So I think that kind of thing is very helpful. And it'd be nice if if there are Zoom mics that when you do have a night off or just or during the day when, you know, there's no, you know, noon on a Tuesday, it's great to be able to hop on a Zoom mic. The problem is right now you hop on one and there's only three other people and it's not quite the same as when there was, you know, 10, 12 people. Yeah. every and you knew there was going to be which creates like a sort of more of a motivation to do it yeah it's also kind of crazy because i like i feel like a lot of the like there were zoom mics that i like regularly went to mm -hmm. back in the day and i feel like most of them aren't even if they are happening they have like two people yeah. and most of them aren't even happening still like they're they're already they've already left the the zoom world yeah, yeah. and then it could be the people just need a break yeah. From, you know, and and it's like, they're, you know, run around and do as much in-person stuff as you can now, um, just in case we have to go back to Zoom again for a while. And, and yeah. I don't I don't know that that will happen, um, but we'll see. I know it's also funny. I was thinking about this the other day, how like when we were on this podcast like a month ago, we were like now that we're in the post pandemic and um, 
you know, things are getting a little scarier now. Mm. So, you know, we'll see. But hopefully no more. Hopefully no more Zoom mics um, for a while. But speaking of um, the post-pandemic, which I'm saying in air quotes because, you know, who knows where we're at now. What are you, what have you been up to um, since we got out of the Zoom world, at least for this time? I mean, back to for me, it's been back to some semblance of like the schedule I had before. Um, trying to do like a couple mics a day, at least one, if two, a lot of times. Then depending on like if, if you have a show or not, because um, I think one of the other things that, that came out of the pandemic and it's not Zoom per se, but a lot of people um, were just like, screw it. I'm just going to buy an amp and a mic stand and a mic and I'm going to run a show in the park or I'm going to run a show on my roof or in my backyard or whatever. And people realize, oh, it like it takes time. It's not easy to produce a show, but there's no there's also no barrier to entry. Yeah. It's a time consuming thing, but anyone can do it. And so all these people like, you know, they may have done one on their roof or in their backyard or in the park. And then when things opened up again, they found a back room of a bar or a restaurant or, you know, or a comedy club or whatever. And so it feels like there's a lot of these independent shows all over New York that are really good. Um, and so there's a lot of different things you can try to do. So I've been, I You're mean, producing a show currently. Oh. Yeah, it's in, and it's outdoors and we've kept it outdoors for now. Um, and that started during the pandemic or since? Yeah, you know, we, that started during the pandemic. Um, fall 2020, I guess. And we went through like Thanksgiving and then it got a little cold. And we stopped for a couple of months and started again in March. And it was still way too cold. Um, yeah. And then qu quite suddenly it was way too hot, which was weird. Yeah. Um, and the last couple of weeks have been perfect. And then it'll, it's going to be too hot again this week. But um, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like you can, you know, it's it's uh, outdoors isn't great because nothing there's nothing to hold the laughs in. It's a very different like timing. And, and it's very there's a casualness to it, but it's still it's still fun. You can still you still tell jokes. You still hear people laugh or not. And uh, it works. And we have this little like little kind of old like amphitheater thing that has a roof. So we're, there's no walls. So you are outside. Yeah. But at least you're covered. Yeah. No, that's definitely nice. Were there any like barriers to starting a show like that during the pandemic? Or is it just kind of like because it was outdoors, it was fine? Um, I don't think we ever technically broke any of the rules. Cool. Because <laughs> when we stopped around Thanksgiving, it was right around when th there may have been some guidance around you can't have any event indoors or outdoors with more than a certain number of people and stuff. And that's when we had stopped anyway. Um, but also, I don't I think when you were outside, there was no real. Because there, there was enough there's enough space that people can um, people can wear a mask if they want. They can uh, they can make sure they're sitting far enough away that they're comfortable. Yeah. So I think outdoors felt very, felt very safe to me. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, we went through the period where people got vaccinated and started sitting closer together and stuff. And now we're here. Yeah. And which is which, by the way, is still I think you're vaccinated. I think you're still very, very safe. 
And if you're vaccinated and outdoors, you're very, very safe. Definitely. Yeah. Um, amazing. And so you're hosting the show now. And then we know um, from our time off the podcast that you've been doing a lot of like festivals and contests and different comedy experiences like that. Could you talk a little bit about that and uh, how you got involved in those? Oh, okay. Um, well, like even before the pandemic, um, it, it, you know, doing a bringer show was one way to get to make sure you had something to look forward to and be in front of real, a real audience. Um, when you're not like a, you know, kind of perfect pro comic at a club when you're not like in a club rotation or something. And, and festivals are another way to do that. Um, because mo, you know, there's, uh, it's sort of like a festival's not a bringer show in the sense that like, you're not responsible for bringing the audience. Um, you're respond, but you are responsible for getting yourself there and housing yourself, assuming that it's um, not in your immediate vicinity. So there's still a cost to it. Um, but it's a way to just do, it's a way to do comedy in different parts, in different places to different people with live audiences. It's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of comics. Excuse me. So I, I, you know, six to 12 months in, I was like, I started really following the festivals and figuring out like what they were and how they worked and are the good ones are the bad ones. What would I want to do? And then, um, just started applying to some of them and then started getting in here and there and then deciding, you know, deciding to go. And especially kind of post pandemic when it became, well, not po like as things were opening back up, um, but there was still uncertainty about where stage time was going to come from. So certain festivals were, I was like, well, I'll apply to that. Cause if I get in, like at least that's some guaranteed stage time. Cause I have no idea what's going to happen with the you know, New York clubs. And even when they do reopen, like I'm nobody. So it's not, it's not like, I'm, it's not like I'm going to get spots every night. Um, but if a festival's happening and I can, and I, and I'm, and I get in, I know I have a show, which is great. Is there any advice that you've been given um, or that you would give to other people who are uh, working to be comedians? Ah, oh. um, okay. So there is one thing I tell myself, which is, um, and, it's, and it's easy to give yourself advice that could offend someone if, else if you gave it to them does that make sense mm -hmm. but like sometimes like i think we all have these moments where we're just like how come i can't do that or how you know what do, like what should how, what should i be doing in order to do x y or z and not what i do is uh i just sort of look in the mirror and just say get funnier <laughs> and, I, and i feel like that's the answer to like 999 out of a thousand comedy questions is just get funnier because it's sort of like control what you can control. And um, well, what was your question again? I lost. I got so into my uh, advice. Oh, oh the, what was the advice? Yeah. yeah. So that like, I, I don't know that I'd ever actually like if someone came to me for advice specifically, said, what should I be doing? I would be like, say, to tell them to get funnier seems rude. But <laughs> at the same time, it sort of applies to everyone, even people that are already very funny. If you're not, you know, there's that there's that notion that like, uh, if you're undeniably funny, good things will happen. And very few people are consistently undeniably funny. So we can all get funnier. So doing that, um, but on a more practical level, because that's sort of this vague amorphous concept. Um, I think. Uh, trying, you know, everyone, everyone has a figuring out what your process is 
because everyone's different. Like they're the people that like that they don't their brain isn't a brain that puts like pen to paper, you know, and they and and whether and they're like, I write on stage. I'm like, well, maybe try going for a walk and writing in your head. Maybe try, you know, I don't know. Um, but whatever, figure out what your process is and then spend some time thinking on how to make it as efficient and productive for you as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you are someone that can, that can sit down and write, like make sure you do it every day. If you're someone that needs to be in front of people, um, maybe do more open mics or, or call friends and just talk through ideas or figure out ways to be more productive and efficient and try to work smart. Because the one thing that I've noticed with a lot of people is like, um, you can go do five mics in a night and that's a lot, right? But if you did five mics and you told the same five minutes in the exact same way, five times, like, could you have gotten more out of that? Um, and you go home and you think I worked hard today. I did five mics. It's like, yeah, but you also got the dopamine of being in front of people. Like the hard work is the work you don't see. So do more of that. Great advice. Um, and we unfortunately are coming to the to the closing time of our podcast. Um, before we wrap, is there anything you would like to promote? Any shows coming up? Where can, if people have enjoyed hearing uh, your insight as much as we have, where can they follow you? Um, yeah, please share. When does this when does this come out? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Monday. What time? 6 a.m. Oh, all right. Well, um, tomorrow is Monday, right? Yeah, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at Gotham. Come uh, come out to that, I guess. Wait, and uh, me too. <laughs> see, I can't get rid of you, Carly. And um, get rid of me. I'll see you there. See you there. And uh, and, and follow Carly. the Uncommon Takes podcast. Amazing. Well, our audience listening, you can go see both Carly and Adam tomorrow. But say you're there Gotham. for me. That's very important. <laughs> It is yeah. important. Say you're there for Adam. <laughs> um, your allegiance goes to. We'll see who gets more people. Um, it'll be a fun game. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so fun talking to you. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week.